Hey everybody, welcome to Making It. This is episode 79 and I'm Bob Puggett here with David Picciuto. Hey, what's going on? Not much. And Jimmy Dresta. Hey guys, how are you? Doing well. How are you guys? I'm good. Very good, very good. It's a it's a warm day in Ohio today. Yeah, New yeah. York is hot. Yeah. I bet it's hotter here. Probably. <laughs> Probably more humid as well. Absolutely. So I just put out uh, just minutes ago my latest vlog, which is all about what I learned at VidCon, which was a crazy, amazing experience. I won't go into detail since I think we talked about that last week. And then I am still working on the book. Uh, it's, it's really, that's that's my main focus for the rest of the month. But uh, also working on another video that's coming out. Should be out by the time you hear this. It's, it's a where are they now, all my projects from... Um, over a year ago, how they're holding up, what I've changed about them, what I would change about them if I were going to make them again, and a couple things I had to do some some maintenance on. Like my coffee station, it's been wet and dried and wet and dried so much from washing it off that the the Baltic birch plywood started to crack, and so I fixed all that, and um, just kind of showing, you know, my coffee table has not collapsed on itself, even though there are so many <laughs> haters on the brazen That's aluminum the, video. That's the aluminum, the aluminum yeah. welding one. Yeah. yeah, we use a we use the coffee table as a footstool, <laughs> a footrest, and every, we use it every day, and it's still holding up just fine. Yeah, but you can't put a car on it. Oh, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Stupid me. <laughs> so that's what I'm working on. Cool. I'm just uh, getting more and more pieces of the, the kindergarten out of the way, thankfully. It uh, turned out to be a much bigger project than I anticipated. Um, it's simple work. It's just a matter of like squeezing it into just doing everything else that I do. And I last night I got four Snapchats ready to, to release. One of them is already released where I'm working on my old truck. And uh, I'll see how that goes because I have these sitting on my phone and I know that when I make them, I get really good compliments, you know, in real time. And so I'm going to see if that if that is well received. I'll pepper my my release dates on those just so people don't get bombarded with the portrait video, which seems to really upset certain people. <laughs> I'm not quite sure why. I mean, we live in you know, a day and age when that's as obviously it's you know it's not classic filmmaking, but that's the way Snapchat makes it, not me. And uh, yeah, just uh, getting work done and. Trying to get stuff done, and I'm preparing for a couple of really good builds. And once I once I get to them, they're going to be pretty good. I'm happy. I'm making a couple of new builds coming up for me, which I've been making notes on. I'm making. A, I want to make a gun cabinet, which I have a really cool design for. I'm still. I'm at a point now where I'm prepped and ready for my cannon. I just need to get to it. I'm. I'm in the city. I'm not upstate this week, and uh, I'm going to do an experiment. I just was talking to you guys about my raising of the obelisk, which I've been making notes on. I have a, a theory on how the obelisk was raised. So that's a video that I'm going to do. And I mentioned to you guys, but that was in fact going to be the very first video I ever did on YouTube. I started a YouTube account to illustrate that point. Hmm. And I put up a couple of little videos here and there and I had like five views. So I was like, no one's going to care about my obelisk thing. But now I have a good platform and a good audience. And I think people would be interested to see that. And that might get me actually some recognition if I do have an original new theory so, um, and that's it. Just, uh, working, working and working and working. Awesome. Yeah, me too. Um, been working on a few things, trying to keep several projects in the air at the same time, which is, you know, hard to do in a small place. Like it's just hard to have a thing that's halfway done in the way of another 
video or another project. <laughs> have you been watching um, my Skype, by the way? <laughs> I have. I don't, you're, yeah. I don't know how you're building all that stuff in that space. And then you're like, hey, let's just bring a canoe in there. We can make a canoe in there, too. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. That, well, I'm going to build the canoe upstate. I just had to get it off my truck. I thought I was going to go upstate, but tail went up. And she needed the, the back of the truck open for some of her chair stuff. So, yeah. So, th- that will eventually make its way back upstate. I mean, you could theoretically keep building things down there until every square inch, floor to ceiling, front to back, is full. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you may just own it at that point. Like, the, the landlord may just be like, I don't, I, it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> I'll work my way up the next six floors. Yeah. Um, but for me, I've been working on, so the video that's coming out this week is, um, I've been wanting to do like a shop stool for a while. And actually, this brings me to another point. But every time that I think of like, hey, I should make a video about a stool. Then like two weeks before I go to shoot it, Jimmy makes a video about a stool or about a <laughs> bench or about a whatever it is that I, I'm thinking about making. And, and Jimmy will not. steal your shop stool video and make it his That's own. right. And get famous on it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I, no, but, years ago, I stole Petruto's shop stool video, unknowingly. It was a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this one is is not like any one that I've. I didn't go looking to see if there was another one like it. So there very well could be. But um, it's a foldable shop stool. So uh, it has like three three legs on the bottom that collapse. Like they they're all hinged together, so they collapse down flat, and then the top folds up mm-hmm. um so you and can it, you can hang it make it smaller and hang it on the wall you could yeah th- i didn't make it this one hanging but i talked about how you know you could make some cutouts to hang it up easily if you wanted to i don't have any wall space to hang anything so i didn't even like attempt that but um it turned out pretty it was kind of an experiment like it just popped into my head the design and i was like oh i should just try this without sketching without anything you know and uh so it worked out pretty well good proof of concept and then um, just been starting a couple other projects that are going to be kind of longer term stuff and trying to get several of those stacked up in the queue so I can always have something moving forward even if I'm not. Like I, I feel like lately I've been doing a lot of, okay, I have to have a video for the next release. What can I do quickly? And that's okay to do sometimes. But I also feel like there's I'm getting more and more ideas that I just don't ever get to because I'm preoccupied with like, making something quickly that I can get out, you know? Yeah. That's what happens to me with my make stuff. But, uh, you know, I always second guess my make stuff and then when I put it out, everyone's like, they love it. So yeah, I try, I try to make my little make videos have some meat, meat and potatoes, even though they're simple concepts. Yeah. It's just, I haven't quite found, you seem to have found the balance pretty well between those like bigger projects and those smaller things. I, I'm still not there yet. It's, um, I don't, I don't know if maybe I'm going about it the wrong way. Cause I feel like I need to have that buffer of time to be able to start the big projects and then have short projects in between them, you know, so that you kind of have this like constant rollover between these two types of things, but I haven't quite found that yet. So still trying to figure that out. But the, uh, a thing that came up when I was thinking about the stool, joking about your stool, of course, but, um, I've noticed lately a lot of the ideas that I come up with. In fact, it happened twice today. Things that have been on my list for months that it was just like, you know, I'm gathering materials, I'm trying to figure out how to do it, and then I'm just about ready to start a project, and then I see on Twitter somebody else posts something almost identical or, you know, functionally identical. And I know it's just 
people happen to think through things around the same time. But as connected as we all are, um, you know, through YouTube and just all the social networks, anytime, you know, two people put out a project, even if it's totally unrelated and you put them out in a similar time, it looks like somebody is ripping off the other person and there's no way around that. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out like, okay, what do I do about those two ideas? Do I Mm. like ditch them? Do I try to add something to them to make them an evolution of the thing that the other person did or to differentiate it or just go for it and call it out? You know, I mean, do you guys deal with that at all? Just dealt with that a couple of days ago. I, you know, I announced I have a second vlog channel. I'm moving all my talkie videos to this new channel. And somebody's like, oh, you're trying to be like Bob. I'm like, oh, well. somebody told me I was copying you too. So, <laughs> <laughs> but we just learned, we just picked up some new knowledge and, and thought we, we learned that it, it would help us to separate different types of content and each could live on their own. And, uh, and you know, like Jimmy said earlier, like we both released Shop Stew videos at the same time, not too long ago. And even in my, um, in my vlog video that I just released a little bit ago, I said I don't watch as much I don't watch hardly any woodworking videos anymore because I don't want to be influenced too much by them. And so I'm I, I'm watching more entertainment and science channels or whatever and using that to help influence what I'm doing. But the thing is we're it's gonna happen and yeah. most people are going to wanna watch both versions because the way you do something, Bob, is going to be completely different than the way Jimmy yeah. does something, and I'm going to get so I'm going to get something out of both of those videos. And mm-hmm. yes, once in a while, you're going to get the like, oh, you're trying to be like so and so, but it just happens. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, like, also we can look at that as as a timing thing. You know, like right now, somebody may see both of those things within a couple of weeks of each other and be like, oh, you ripped off so and so. But in six months. Both of those videos are history. They totally. nobody really knows how long they've been around, or you right. know, they don't care. So, you know, I mean, a just, good thing, and I might have done it in the past. I can't really remember, but if you know, if it happens to me, I would do it. Um, is just put a link to the other video similar to this. I was, you know, mm-hmm. I wasn't exactly inspired by this, but here's another video that's similar to this, something like that. You know, this happened. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, that's a a funny thing happened to me last night. You know, because I never sleep, so I was up at like three in the morning working on the computer. <laughs> You know, and I get a I get a, a text message from Jocko. And Jocko goes, "Here's my new video." Because when I sent Jocko some stuff recently, I put in like a, a few pieces of an ice pick because I didn't have any done. He already has one, but I just just as like a friendly gesture, I gave him a couple of pieces that I had laying around in the production line, like a solid handle, a blade, the ring. Just said, you know, just to give him some inspiration to do one himself. And so in his video that he posted today, he took my handle, sliced off a piece threaded both sides, drilled out the remaining part of the handle. And then he has a, an ice pick that flips over and screws into itself and flips, unscrews and flips out and screws in. So it looks just like my ice pick with a little thread that unscrews and flops over. And so the, the handle is the sheath. And just about three days ago, I was looking at, uh, uh, this, I mentioned Tom Oxo Tools. I was watching one of his just like, you know, mailbag videos. And he had one of exactly the same thing made by another Machine shop. I don't know if the guy has a machine shop or a YouTube channel. I don't know enough about it. And uh, so I just said to Jocko, I go, oh, that's cool. I said, just be warned though, you know, the YouTube geeks are going to point this out to you. So I sent him the link to the video and he writes back. He goes, damn, I looked all over YouTube for this Mm. and I could not find it. And now here it is because I looked all afternoon for something just like this, just to make sure I wasn't stepping on anybody's toes. He goes, well, it's too late now. So 
Yeah. And I suggested, uh, you know, I was like, don't worry about it. Just tell people that whatever, you made your own version of that. So, yeah, I mean, it happens. It happens. Like, I, and, I, and I do try to call out when I'm aware of that. Like, not too long ago, I made a, a wooden quarto game. And it was something that I had, and I said in the video, this was supposed to be a wedding gift for my friend from, who was married seven years ago. Like, that's how long it took me to actually get this thing made. <laughs> and so at that point, you know, that was like before I was even like a YouTube consumer, really. Um, and so I didn't even think about it. And it's been on my list ever since. I went to make it. And then I noticed uh, at one point, a couple of years ago, that Steve Ramsey had made this exact same game. And I, kn- I had never looked at the video, but I knew he made it. So I knew in making this one, someone would call it out. So I actually started the video with, hey, look, I know other people have done this. That's not the point. This is a wedding gift from a friend. And I got no negative you know, stuff from that, even though a lot of people that watch my videos watch Steve's, and so they would have seen that one. And you know, So yeah, I think if, if you're aware of it, calling it out is a great way to do it. The problem comes up when you're not aware of it. <laughs> Somebody goes, you just ripped off so-and-so who put a yeah, video up last trying week. Trying to be sneaky. Like, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. So... I got a few of those that I'm going to I'm going to have to like add stuff to to make them more interesting. I'd like to talk about something real quick. Uh, so I got an email the other day and uh, I'm not going to call out the person that sent me the email. But basically he said this other person made this strap and I'm not even going to say what the strap is for, but it's outside of woodworking. But I made this leather strap that will do two things at, at once. So, so this person was selling this strap for 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 money and this person that emailed me kind of deconstructed what it was and then made his own and then started selling or giving away the plans for this strap and the owner of the strap said hey that's mine i'm going to threaten legal action unless you take it down and the guy's like he he sends me an email and I was kind of weirded out by it, but he's like, if I had a bigger YouTube channel, if I had a big enough audience, I think I could get away with doing this. And my response <laughs> wow. was, uh, yeah. And my response, and he's like, you know, as woodworkers, we're not doing anything. We're, it's hard to create something original. We're just recreating the same bookcase or the same bed or the same covers or whatever. And I, my response to him was, anything that I put out now I, they are 100% my designs. So yes, somebody else made a stereo cabinet before me, millions of people, but mine is my design. No one has made this exact one. And I take a lot of pride in coming up with my original designs. And then I was like, you you just need to respect other people's ideas and properties. And you can be original, even if something has been done a million times before. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, there's going to be stuff you don't know about. And of course, we're all influenced from other places, but yeah, I think you make that effort, you know, to be original. I, I had somebody actually last week ask me if he could make my arcade machine and sell the machine, <clears throat> and that's an interesting kind of valid question, you know, when you especially when you sell plans. Um, you know, what's the expectation there? Are you expecting people to make these things for themselves and then that's it or make them and sell them and claim the design as their own? And for me personally, that's not like, like I have no pride about that. I don't. And I said, I would prefer like, you cannot sell my plans. Mm. The plan is the thing that I create. And if you make a, a thing from my plans and sell that thing, go for it. I know yes. William Lutz is out there laughing at me because I just said thing like four times in a <laughs> row. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Bill. But um, 
Yeah, that's the way I look at it. Uh, whereas some other people look at it the opposite way. You know, if you use their plans, whatever comes out of that plan is still kind of guarded under their intellectual property or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's for everybody to decide, I guess. But anyway, I, I respected the fact that this guy was asking, you know, can I make stuff from your plans and sell them to make some extra money? Like, yeah, of course. Just don't resell the plans with your name on them. Yes, no. I say I say the same thing. I'm like these these are my designs, these are my boxes or whatever. You are free to make them and sell them at craft shows and I encourage you to do so. I just want my name attached to it somehow. Just don't like you said don't sell the don't sell the plans, sell the thing. And the thing I prefer to have my name on there like designed by David Petrudo. If it doesn't I I'm okay with that, but Yes, I encourage people to reproduce what I make and sell it if it's going to help your business or if it's going to help you enjoy woodworking or whatever. Yeah. I mean, the hope there, at least for me, is that, you know, like some maybe somebody buys my arcade machine plans and then they make one and they sell it. And then somebody else comes to them and says, oh, I want one too, but I want mine to be this way. And then the person that bought the plans is like, oh, well, I can make some changes. I can mm-hmm. evolve this thing and make it something that's more from me. You know, it's based on Bob's stuff, but it's more from me. Like that would that. be awesome. I would love that. You know, it's not just like, well, I have to go back and ask Bob if he can make a new set of plans or if he, you know, whatever. Um, so hopefully that these plans that we're selling will be a kind of launching point for people to start making their own designs or their own products and stuff. I hope, or at least maybe some extra cash to buy tools with. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, my, my stuff is, is getting ready. Ryan, uh, who, who works in my shop, who's a really, really good SketchUp artist has done uh, some amazing renderings of the products that I've done. So he's reversed engineered them. Cause I, I usually start with this pencil sketch and then I, I work my way through some of the design difficulties as I'm building. But now that they exist, Ryan can go in and, and re-engineer them and do a SketchUp model. So that is, I said, let's get five done before we post the web page. So he's working on the fourth or fifth one right now. It's going to be the my my chest of drawers that I have. It's sort of like the uh, the tooling drawers. Look like oh, the, yeah. the catalog. So he's doing that one. The horses, the metal horses, the the bench that I just built, my tool box that I made for Core seventy seven, and uh, and the small toolbox that I just made for for uh, make the one on the inventables website even though it's there i'm gonna do a a sketchup of it speaking of did you see bill duran's version of your (laughs) yeah it's awesome you made a little (laughs) tiny tiny little (laughs) so great it was great it was funny uh yeah if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about jimmy said in this video about his tool tote he was like yeah it's it's you know on inventable sites you could scale it down and make it this big and he holds his hand up and it's like three inches apart yeah (laughs) and so then bill from punish props put up a video and he was like well okay and he scaled it down Cut yeah, it out it on awesome. a laser, and it's like this tiny, tiny little toolbox. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, it was really put his, put his logo on it, too. Yeah, that's what I said. I go, I go, go steal the plans and put your logo on it and, and go to town. Right now, my stool that I made on, on that's available on the Inventables project page, Zach told me is the most copied thing so far. We've, we've got about 10 or 12 copies so far, you know, in various design evolutions. Some straight away, but mostly design evolution. So that's really cool. So that's awesome. It's really fun. So that's my very first ability to share designs. And I encourage people to take them and change them and do whatever they wanted with them. And so I'll do the same thing once my, my webpage is up, but uh, uh, I'm going to charge a few bucks for the, for the download. And then maybe a little bit of money also for just a straight up SketchUp file because Ryan is doing it. 
if I I don't know how how to do that as well as he does. He I could literally describe a design to him and he could draw it and it looks incredible. He showed me a picture of the toolbox that I made. And I said, is that a photograph that I took? He goes, no, that's the SketchUp model. I couldn't believe how, you know, he oh, lights wow. it and renders it. It was really <laughs> beautiful. So, and then I just coincidentally, I sent him a photograph of the bench that I made. And he sent me back literally within two minutes a rendering that he had. On, he goes, oh my God. He goes, you took it in the same exact orientation. I built it on my computer, or at least this one particular rendering. So he sent it right back to me, like with no background. I was like, it looks exactly the same. So, um, so the sketch. So look forward to some really good SketchUp models from my buddy. That's awesome, um, David. Before we move on, I was curious how the book is coming. Uh, it's coming along. We were trying to get fifteen cutting boards in there, and we're um, by the end of this week, I will have ten done. It's been a very fun creative experience because I'm trying to do some boards. So here's the thing. They sent, they've, they've been wanting to do this cutting board book for a long time, even before I signed on for it. So they've been gathering ideas and pulling pictures from Pinterest and, and Google and whatever and just throwing them in a folder. And so when I signed on, signed on to do the book, there was all these photo ideas, kind of like a Pinterest board. And there's a couple of them that I wish I had not seen the photos because it was so hard for me to redesign it into my own without taking in the influence. So there's mm. one that has like, um, it's a cutting board made out of bamboo. And then there's four spots for ramekins in there that they fit in the cutting board. So as you're chopping vegetables, you can separate the vegetables into the four little ramekins. And I, all I could picture was, all I could picture was the photo that they already had in there and I just could not get it out of my mind. And so it was a little hard to get outside that box. Jimmy, you have a thought? What is a ramekin? What is a ram? <laughs> it's just a, a it's a, a dragon. It's a type of dragon. No, oh, come <laughs> on, David. We can play with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's a cutting board with four little dragons. No, it's just a, a tiny little uh dish. Just uh, a little custard dish type thing. And uh, also yes. a dragon. Also uh, a dragon. Uh, <laughs> Wait, it's a it's a custard dish on the cutting board. Uh, so it, it's um so imagine a tiny a tiny uh, it fits in the cutting board. So the little dragons that fit inside the cutting board. Okay. Uh, and so I think it, I I think I got it. Yeah, yeah. So the cutting board's really really thick, but it allows these little dishes. In okay. there to, to to fit level, so as you're as you're chopping vegetables, you can separate it in there, and um so there was things like that, uh like an end green cutting board. How to not do an end green cutting board like everybody else, right? So it's been a fun little exercise for me to come up with a bunch of fifteen original designs. So it's it's coming along, and I can't wait for it to be done because I want to go back to my normal schedule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. Cool. Um, well, that's, that's cool. I was just curious how it was moving along. Yeah. Cause I know you got a deadline on it. So. I do. End of the month. Um, all right. So I just a few minutes ago asked Twitter for questions and we've gotten a few come in here and they are still coming in. Uh, this one, it, I, it might be different for all of us. I'm curious about this. So this is from uh, geek builders from Sean and he says, what do you do to still keep a private life? Are you ever worried about exposing too much? I know uh, Jimmy's answer. <laughs> <laughs> what, I don't care? <laughs> no, yeah. 
No, it's funny. I was in my shop yesterday and I turned around and there was this young man from Israel. And he goes, hi. I go, oh, hey, what's up? How you doing? (laughs) He just hung out. He was in my Snapchat yesterday. He taught me how to say some words in Israeli or in Hebrew, rather. Um, Yeah, no, it's a a fine line. Um, Somebody sent me a picture of my driveway the other day upstate. So Mm. for a second, I was like, hmm, is that weird? Hmm. I, I, I don't know how people find out where my house is upstate. I think what has happened, somebody somewhere before I was famous uh, on YouTube, before I was famous, before I was YouTube famous, somebody at my house posted like a, the actual address of my house. So now everyone's mm-hmm. going to know I shouldn't be talking about this. But uh, so they posted the actual address, like, where are you? And so when it pops up, when people are at my house, it pops up as an option. So... Some people have tagged that in Instagram pictures. I think that's how some people know where mm. I'm from. But um, gotcha. that being said, I, I, my fans, you know, Knockwood so far have have all been nothing but you know extension of my circle of friends, and like I meet people and yeah, go ahead. Ke- Speaking of your upstate house, and we can cut this out if you want to, uh, but Kelly found your upstate house. Creepy. I know it's real creepy. When we <laughs> discovered that it was on Airbnb. Kelly was oh, yeah. able to locate it and find it because she was curious. I was curious. And, and so oh, yeah. we were able it's, to go through that. Yeah, it's on Airbnb and, you know, it's not under my name. I don't want to say whose name it's under. It might be obvious, but it's not, it's not under my name because I didn't want anything to do with it. I was like, I have too many things to do. Managing strangers <laughs> in my house is not one of the things I want to do. So my significant other handles everything. And she does an amazing job at it. She grew up in a real estate family, so she is very savvy when it comes to, you know, negotiating contracts and stuff like that. So I let Taylor handle all of that. But um, opening up Taylor, speaking of Taylor, opening her up into more of my life on opening up online, that is, like, for instance, including her in, in some of the Snapchats and having fun with her with the chickens. She enjoys it. I mean, she's a little shy. She doesn't really like to talk much about things on camera. But uh, we, she's enjoying it. And, you know, she knows it, it, it helps her popularity as far as her design career goes and so i have loads of fans want to see her youtube channel begin which is something we keep talking about and uh she's she just has her own vision of what she wants and until she's able to to get there she's kind of just holding off um but anyway it's it's a hard it's a hard line i mean it's a fine line i should say it's it's hard to like maintain so much privacy. And, and anybody that meets me knows how open I, I am about anything. I really don't have any secrets. Um, I mean, there's nothing that, there's nothing I really hold back, you know, that, but there's anything like my life is what it is. There's nothing that's like so secretive. That's like interesting. You know what I mean? Like if yeah, I ran well, for, I mean, if I ran for like public office, nobody would find anything wrong with my past. You would like <laughs> never, I never been arrested. I have no DWIs. I've never been into any fishy business. So it's like I guess I'm I'm like honest to the point where I have nothing to worry about. Mm, the knife trolls might have something to say about that. No, I'll just stab them when I see them in person. <laughs> and you are not running for office anymore. <laughs> yeah, you just said it. That was your stuff right there. I'll stab them with my wit. Did I leave that part out? Oh, good one, <laughs> David. What about you? What do you think about this? Um, kind of like Jimmy. I don't really have much to hide. I I have fun. Showing my life on on YouTube and really Snapchat. Snapchat's the, the behind the scenes. Um, I don't have kids, so I don't have anyone to really protect other than myself and my, my wife 
And my wiener dog, oh, he's so adorable. Um, <laughs> Kelly doesn't really enjoy being in the snaps too often. So like, there's so many snaps that get deleted that don't actually make it up there because she's like, let me look at it. Nope. <laughs> Tell does the same thing. She's like, delete that or I'm going to take your phone. <laughs> I get that a lot. Um, but it's not like I'm like super crazy. I'm not Brad Pitt famous. And, you know, I don't have, we just have a, an ordinary old house on on an ordinary road where we're not really protecting you know an uh, estate i guess you know yeah yeah well i mean it's interesting that you guys both said you know like you don't have anything to hide because i wouldn't even have thought about that question in regards to that like i wouldn't be worried about somebody digging into me and finding something about me that i was ashamed of or anything but i think the protection of just like personal space and personal interest is a bigger concern for me, uh, mostly because of the kids, you know, and like, I'm not, I kind of went back and forth when I started making videos about like, well, do I want to completely keep them out of the videos, uh, for safety's sake or for just some unknown thing? Maybe they will hate that when they're older, you know, whatever. Um, and I kind of boiled down to like, I want my videos to be as authentic as they can be. And part of that, and especially now that I have a second channel, part of that means that I show part of my life. My kids are my life, right? And I'm not going to, I'm not going to like systematically cut out a huge portion of my life. Like I'm not going to just add it for the sake of adding kids to get views or anything like that. But I'm also not going to like completely shield, you know, a big part of my life from what goes into my videos. So, but as far as like keeping things secret, I mean, I would like to, I would like to think that I make an effort to keep my, home safe and stuff but in the time that we live in somebody can find you if they want to find you that's the unfortunate truth um do you have anybody so. visit i mean because my people come to my workshop all the time and if i leave the gate open people will just wander in and no i've never had anybody show up at my house i've had people ask if they can come you know just tour the shop and stuff and i my response is always like it's in my home i'm just not comfortable with the stranger showing up at my home you know mm -hmm. like if we you want to meet for coffee yeah let's do it but yeah. i'm not gonna like invite someone that i don't know to my home right um now i've met people through this and become friends with people and they've come to my house which is an entirely different thing sure so sure. um, i mean i made like, lots of but even like of course we see I, I was curious about this though because you travel you know, pretty regularly out of the city mm -hmm. and you're always pretty vocal about when and where you are and stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you ever have a concern about the place that you're not being exposed? I, I don't have anything to, to, I mean, what are they going to steal? I mean, there's like, honestly, everything's like upstate is locked up and I have security cameras. It's all cameras. steel. It's all too heavy. <laughs> yeah, it's no, everything I have heavy. is like heavy and you know, like the only thing I really worry about are my rifles and that's because I don't want anybody to get hurt with them. You know, of course, you know, the collection cost a few bucks, but if they got stolen, it would be annoying. But that's the only thing I worry about. And that's really has nothing to do with my popularity. That has everything to do with people in my house when I rent my house. Because, mm. uh, you know, I know like when you rent your house to somebody, everything is the doors I don't want people in are screwed shut or nailed shut or locked shut. And, you know, like if it's raining out, they got nothing to do. So they're curious. They start, you know, peeling paint with their fingernails and fiddling around. So everything is is securely locked up and completely put away, but uh, that was the that's the only thing that makes me a little nervous is that people get curious because you know the house has like fifteen rooms and we lock about eight of them just so mm. people don't go in them, and you know we don't we don't ever make them available to the people that rent the house and 
So I'm just wondering, I always wonder like who's like noodling around in those rooms. And <laughs> at the end of the day, if, if the house doesn't burn down after the rentals, that's fine. I'm like, the only <laughs> thing I care about is Taylor will call me and she'll be like, the, the renter's having this problem or that problem. I said, is the house still there? Did it burn down? She's like, no. I said, any other problem is fixable. Hmm. You know, that's the only problem that I, that I feel the most is that, I mean, of course I'm insured and all that other stuff, but that's the only thing I, uh, you know, that, that makes me scared. Yeah. yeah, we have taken measures like we, you know, when we're because we do announce when we're away sometimes, but we have house sitters and we have the um, yeah. we have a security, we have the webcams and we can always access mm -hmm. uh, the house even when we're not here. So things have been we do think about that. And there was a time where I'm like, I don't want to announce that I'm going away, but it's, it's OK now because things are in place to make sure that yeah. everything's going to be here when we get back. I hope somebody breaks into my shop and cleans up. That's the one thing. I hope when I come back, the shop is cleaned and neat, and somebody leaves me a note with like a cookie and says, "Thank you for uh -huh. all you do." But that we never stole happened. your sawdust. That <laughs> never happened. <laughs> no, there's nothing to steal in there. Like you know, anything. Whatever. I get quadruplicates of everything anyway. So yeah, I mean, like I'm not worried about the stuff. You know, if someone were to get in and steal things, that's not a concern. It's more like safety stuff. Yeah. And yeah, David, we're the same way. Like, I won't say that I'm that we're all leaving town unless we have a house sitter. Otherwise, I'll talk about it after the fact. Mm -hmm. um, stuff like that. I have had a couple of weird things where people have gotten my information and like, but they've not reached out in like a super creepy way. More of just like a, hey, wanted to let you know that I have your phone number. <laughs> I'm like, why are you calling me at 1030 at night to tell me this? You know, <laughs> That kind of thing. Um, but at the same time, like I have to try, I think in general I do this, but I, I, I try to find the best in people and hope the best out of people. Um, so, you know, I work under the assumption that people are mostly benign and like not trying to do something bad. Yeah. It's it kind of cool. Like a couple of days ago, this has never happened before, but a couple of days ago I was at Home Depot and went in, bought a bunch of stuff, came back out, put it in the truck, got in and under my windshield was a sticker like a, a bumper sticker. And on the back of the bumper sticker said, Hey Bob, I like to make, I like to make stuff too. Thanks for all the inspiration. Something, something. Oh, that's sweet. You know. It was awesome. But at the same time, it, and totally nice. And like, I'm not saying anything negative about it, but it caught me in the moment of like, Oh, like I have a vehicle that someone knows about. My license plate it. says I make. So I've had people in traffic go, Oh my God, Jimmy DeResta. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, and you know, but at the same time, that was a super nice thing that brightened my day that that person did. So yeah. I try to like look for the best and hope that we're safe. And I did a video where I made my key and I, I, I made this key thing with my phone number on it and which I've lost, by the way, I always hope somebody would return it. I lost it somewhere in the neighborhood, fell out of my pocket. Um, but my phone number was covered up partially. And like I, people guess all the combinations of what the last four digits of my phone number are. And every once in a while, I get a text message from somebody that says, is this Jimmy DeResta? And I, I typically answer, who wants to know? And then the person writes back, oh, my God, I'm so sorry I bothered you. I'm a big fan. I just wanted to say. And that happens. And it's usually, I can tell it's usually a kid. It's never like an adult like us that's, you know, wants to waste someone's time. It's always just like a young, ambitious kid that wants to just say hello and thank you. And it's always, it's always been sweet. I get like once a month, I get a text from a stranger. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's uh, see if we got any other questions in here. What sacrifices do you have to make to keep making stuff? Hmm. Hmm. 
Do you guys sacrifice anything to do what you're doing now? The only sacrifice that I've been lately making is like real paying jobs. So if anybody's been watching my Snapchat, that <laughs> stuff that I build, uh, like I, I, in context, I can't really make a movie of it because it's like kind of a fragmented piece of a bigger job. So for me, that's, it's perfect for Snapchat because I could just show techniques that come up along the way. But that's the one thing I'm sacrificing is big jobs like that for YouTube. But I'm more happier doing YouTube stuff. So and for me to take a big giant job of like rebuilding a bar or a kitchen or, you know, something like that are things that I'm passing on these days because that just sucks so much of my energy and my time. I'd rather make money in smaller amounts doing something like YouTube that I enjoy more. Hmm. It's more rewarding and, and more, more people in the community can benefit from it on a bigger scale. So that's really Good the point. only thing I've been sacrificing lately is just like I'm passing on bigger jobs. In fact, I just took a job this morning, which is a total build-in because it is going to be a, a clean and easy job and the woman is really super nice and it'll make a good video. So, hmm. gonna- David, do you have to sacrifice anything to do what you're doing now? I suppose I'm sacrificing a steady paycheck every two weeks that I used to get. Hmm. And it's really, it's hard to predict how much money I'm going to have. Like we want to, we want to buy a house sometime in the future, but that's kind of hard right now because my, how much I make is different, hugely different each month. So I don't know. Uh, I, I think I, I, I do miss the steady paycheck, but um, for the most part, I have I love what I what I do. So I don't I, I have a sacrifice a little bit of freedom because I work nonstop. But that term work is different for me now than it used to be. Where it's, I just right. I have fu- I have fun nonstop, and it's, I don't have party much party. Time to, yeah, I don't have much time to not have fun anymore. Is that does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say kind of the same thing. Like I, I guess it, the sacrifice is that you have to do like stuff that you didn't have to do um, when you were working for somebody else. Like there was this administrative level above you that like handled your taxes and your <laughs> all that garbage, and now you have to take some of your time to do that stuff instead. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I. I think it's probably different. Like this question would be really different for someone who has a full-time job or, you know, and making is like their hobby or their side hustle or their, you know, so that they're actually giving up time with family or giving up time, sleep or work time or whatever to do this stuff on the side. For us, we've all settled into like, this is what we do as the day job now. So it's, you know, it's probably a little different, but... Yeah, a steady paycheck would be kind of cool, but not, <laughs> it's not cool enough like? to... Yeah. <laughs> like? yeah, Jimmy's never experienced that. You but know what my steady I'll, paycheck is now? Is my AdSense check. That's my steady paycheck. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I just, But I do love the fact that I don't know how much I'm going to make next month or next quarter or really? next year. I I kind of enjoy the, like, everything could fall apart or come together. I, I just... It's... Not knowing what the future has in store for me is exciting to me, and I am com- I am totally and one hundred percent in complete control on what my future is going to be. So the harder I work, the more money I'm going to make, and the more things I can I can buy. I guess. Hmm. I, yeah. I mean, maybe it's having kids. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I'm sure that's a huge difference between between you and I. Yeah. To be a single income home. 
with that's really unsteady and then to have kids that you know i'm not i'm not worried about providing for them over the next few months like that's not it's cool you know we're good um but how things change long term and how you know will the growth be steady will you know uh will the support be there long term and stuff like that i mean it's not a worry and i don't spend time thinking about it instead i put that energy into like progress but there is a certain amount of just unknown there that doesn't just affect me. It affects, you know, mm-hmm. potentially generations, which I know sounds hokey to say, but how my kids grow up and the things that they learn and how they're provided for impact how they're going to do that for their kids. And uh, that's not something I think about a whole lot, but it it is like a real thing. So, you know, there's a little bit of worry there. Um but I think also part of that teaching them for teaching them through what I do is showing them about hard work, showing them about persistence, showing them about like dealing with whatever changes, you know, um, if I were to have an accident and be like, you know, disabled in some way, like, okay, well, what is that? What does the rest of our life look like now? How can I change my goal and my plan to still be able to do what I want to do and provide for the, the family, stuff like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, let's see, have you guys had any come in? Uh, yeah. Wanna, so uh, Sean Graham asks, what's your favorite tool and what would you improve on it? And I think my favorite tool in the, in the shop, um, cause my favorite tool is the computer. I just love drawing and, and doing things on the computer, but my favorite tool in the shop is the bandsaw. And if there's one thing I could improve on it, it would be. And this has to be possible. We have we, we 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 have to have the technology to do this. Where you just put on a blade and then it automatically tensions itself and it automatically centers itself on mm. on the wheels and then you just go. Right? We if, we, if can, we can put a man on the moon. <laughs> if we can make an app where you have to go around the country and look for Pokemon, we can make a bandsaw <laughs> that you can easily change a blade quickly and it sets it up for you. Yeah, I, I think that's a great idea, and I think it's totally possible. Because you know, I saw something this week which I'd never heard of, and I'm probably I don't even remember the name of it. Key Spot is that the name of it? But there's like these places where that'll keep your key on file. It's hmm. Like this oh. new high tech thing. Monse, my my new assistant, showed it to me. Where you walk into a store, it's like a kiosk or a spot or like a hard shell spot. And you stick your key in this machine and it, you know, it doesn't care what the ridges are. doesn't, they don't look at it and look on the board and see what kind of, you stick it in and it scans the teeth electronically and then it spits one out of the bottom. Mm-hmm. And the best thing about it for me is I can go in there with my star key and just stick this key into the slot like a regular key and it scans it. As opposed to every time I bring my star key to a key guy, he's like, I can't fit it in my machine. I... But the, the the most amazing thing is they'll scan it and they'll keep it on file. So if you lose your keys and you're in the middle of nowhere, you go to the store, you type in your special code, and they give you a set of your keys made fresh. Wow. So if they can do that, they can do that to the band. So that's the point <laughs> I'm making. Hmm. You know, just when you think you've seen it all, some yeah. guy basically creates witchcraft around the key business. <laughs> well, it totally makes sense. Just just a couple weeks ago, right. I was in LA visiting a friend and he, we accidentally got locked out of his, his apartment and we, we had to call and wait for his landlord. And meanwhile, I had to catch a plane that day and I'm like, oh, I need to get my bags. Like that would that would have been a perfect 
time for for that service. Yeah, I forget what it's called, but we we could search it for the show notes. But um, as far as I I suppose the bandsaw again is is my favorite tool, of course. And I've talked to the guys at Sawstop. I was like, "Are you guys making a bandsaw that stops the way?" And, and to me, it seemed like a logical thing. So I don't think I'm giving away any secrets here to make a bandsaw that has an automatic stopping capabilities. And uh, he said it's definitely consideration. You know, and then I think that could be a break that that gets reset. It doesn't seem like the type of break that needs to be, you know, like jam all up the way a table saw has got so much more kinetic energy. I, I've heard from Sawstop that they would love to make a break on all the tools, like a router. A router can be crazy dangerous, right? Sure. But when you stop something that is has so much force, <laughs> um, it's where the energy has to go somewhere, right? Yeah. And so it's like a table saw is really heavy, so it, it right. can absorb some of that. Like a, a router and mounted in a router table, that would probably flip the whole table around. So it's right. it's where to put that energy. Right. Hmm. So. That's interesting. Um. I don't know about my favorite tool. I, I I think the bandsaw is becoming one of my favorite tools because it's just so versatile. I would love to figure out a way to have a bandsaw that had a, a much wider clearance. Mm. So you could put like a big crosscut sled on a bandsaw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's probably just a space and steel thing. But um, as far as like the, the blade, I had never thought about this before. But okay, tell me why this wouldn't work. I'm sure there's a reason. You guys have more experience with them. Tell me why this wouldn't work. Instead of the, if, if the wheels, instead of having a curve front to back like they do, an even curve, what if they had a lip on the back side that was raised up and the blade, the back of the blade sat against that lip? And then you change, you know, the, the orientation of the wheel to get it aligned, but it's still sitting back against something. That, that actually exists. That's how metal cutting bandsaws work. Because when you put so much pressure on a metal cutting bandsaw, you're cutting through metal, you'll force it right off of the wheel. But metal cutting bandsaws have no rubber on them because it's full of oil. So it's metal against metal. So the blade literally rides on a metal wheel with a, with a little raised back on the back of the, the spinning wheel. So that when you put hmm. pressure on the blade, the blade will track off center, but it'll bounce against that, you know, the back guard you're talking about. And, so and why wouldn't far- you do that for a, a wood bandsaw? I think the main reason probably being is that if the metal is running against metal, it's if it's running against a soft metal like brass or aluminum, it'll just chew it up eventually. And if it's running against a hardened steel, like it's protected with a rubber wheel, it might start to deteriorate the blade. I'm assuming. Oh, yeah, and you can't do the oil. Uh, yeah, I guess yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, okay. and, and on a metal bandsaw, everything is much more extreme. You know, a metal cutting bandsaw, everything's hardened metal, and I mean that's just my guess. But again, uh, going back to the original question of what is your favorite tool, you inspired me for a different answer, Dave, and that would be I love the the, the machine lathe. Obviously, I love playing around on the machine lathe. And I wish that was the type of thing. I have two antique ones that predate electronics. But the idea is it would be nice if those made themselves perfectly centered. And Because every time you take something in and out of the chuck, it wobbles if you don't put it back in the same position. So if you're trying to be precise, which I struggle with, and I take something out and I put it back in, and it's now it's in a different position. So if they made – I'm going to get a million comments saying, of course they make that. But mine are 1900 South Bend lathes. It would be nice if you had an electronic, like perfectly centering thing. Hmm. You know, I mean? but that's part of the art of machining. Machinists love the idea of like having to center stuff and look at their, you know, their feeler gauges and 
that that micrometer that bounces on a dial, you know, the dial indicator. They love that. Mm-hmm. So if you had like a CNC machine that figured that out for you, they would be like, you know, the artfulness is gone. I think. Hmm. Just well, yeah. I mean, I, I wonder if like machinists generally are so um, interested and aware of you know measurements and like precision. I wonder if they would even trust that stuff or if they would go back and double check it anyway, you know, <laughs> they would. <laughs> some people just really enjoy the whole setup. Like I yeah. don't enjoy tool setup, but I do enjoy getting a brand new computer and like getting it all setting all the preferences to the way I like and, you know, installing all the software. I don't know why, but I enjoy that, that process. And so I think it's just different from ever for everybody. Like what do you find satisfying and what, what you don't. So if anybody wants to come over and set up my my huge Powermatic joiner, please do because the beds are so far off and I don't even know what to do right now. You know, it'd be funny if somebody popped up from behind your keyboard and said, "Okay, now I have a reason to be here. Where's this workshop?" <laughs> Found your address on uh, Google Skype. Yeah, <laughs> Google Skype. <laughs> All right, let's do one more. Do you have right. Do you have one, David? Um. See, sure. Uh, this is from an email that we got from Chris Elsmore. He says, "My question is: Do you tend to favor tools you already have batteries for, or does it make no difference to you and you just load and you just have a load of different batteries and chargers?" Um, I personally don't have a set of tools that share batteries and stuff. I just tend to buy what I think is the best reviewed or most useful for me and whether or not that fits into a system I already have doesn't really matter. Well, I'll I'll tell you one thing that's actually really convenient is I have a lot of DeWalt stuff and the batteries are interchangeable, even though I have like the 18 volt set, the 20 volt set, those batteries swap. This is five years old, so I don't know if it's still the same, but those batteries swap in and out of the different sets. So it makes life easier. You know, when Dave and I are running like a lot of, different stuff and running to and from some jobs on like in a busy couple of weeks, the batteries all get mixed up and it's good. It's not like, Oh, we need that. So I have like a surplus of chargers and I have a surplus of batteries. So if we're going to go to a job site where we know we have no electric, we'll bring all four batteries and two good drivers. So two batteries from the original set and two batteries from another set that happen to work. So that makes life easy for sure. And uh, I'm, and I'm due for a whole new set. So I don't know what I'm going to do if I'm going to get something different or what, but yeah, I've got um, the only battery powered tools I have are my DeWalt driver and and drill, and <clears throat> I just bought an, a third battery for that so that I have always one on the charger. That's just kind of a thing I do. I always buy an extra battery so there's always one being charged while one's being used. Um, but I don't. I think if I were to buy other tools that were battery powered, I would look at trying to find a system that I, I would probably be DeWalt. I like DeWalt stuff. Mm-hmm. But I would find a system that had everything I needed and, you know, kind of commit to one. I think part of the my hesitation from even buying those is that in the world that we're in, every time we use a tool and you see more than one color in a shot, people go, oh, are you sponsored by whatever, whatever? And so there's like a tendency for me to be like, well, do I want to buy another DeWalt tool? So people ask me if I'm sponsored by DeWalt all the time. No, nope, mm-hmm. we're not. Um, or do I want to just like stick with what I have because it works fine? There's no reason to replace it. Like having a corded, um, you know, circular saw is not a big deal. So it's not worth replacing for the the ease of having like a, a swappable battery thing. Um, so 
If you buy Maybe new tools, just... I'll send you a can of spray paint. <laughs> okay. <sounds good. laughs> Pick a color. Problem solved. You, yeah. you heard it here, guys. <laughs> um, now, the, the battery issue that I do have is um, cameras. So I have I shoot with a Panasonic. I have a Canon that I don't want to get rid of. I have um, a GoPro. I have a new Osmo. I have a drone. Ooh. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> um, and I have something else. And, oh, the 360 cameras. So I have a lot of cameras, which I know is ridiculous. Don't hate me. It's my job. And each one of those has <laughs> at least two batteries, one on the charger, one in the camera. And then some of them have even more than that. And 10 cords. And, <laughs> yeah, and there's like everyone has a different charger. They all have to be plugged in all the time so that they're charged when I need them. It's a mess. And so one thing that I've come up with, uh, which is not like mind-blowing or anything, but I label everything now. So every one of my batteries for every camera says what camera it goes to on the back. So I don't even have to think about like, well, is it this shape or is it kind of this shape? It's just I look at this table where all my chargers are, and I can see that one says 360 camera. So I just pick it up and, you know. I'm making a note right now. Label my batteries. Do you put a date on them too? I don't. That would be a good idea. But no, I don't. And I write on them. It's funny because when I started seeing Casey doing it, I've been doing it for 20 years. I use a whiteout pen. I write my name uh, on stuff with a whiteout pen. But <laughs> years ago, everybody thought I was a maniac. I had this stereo system in my apartment. And it was like when stereo started getting modern. This was 20 years ago. And you had those little sets and it came with like a tape player and a DVD player. And there was like a little rack, you know, about mm-hmm. the size of a microwave. And every time I looked at it, I didn't know where the volume was. I didn't know where the up, down, the knob, the shut off, the power, the changes. So I just laid it on its back and I took a big wet whiteout pen and I wrote volume, power. Those are the two most important things. Tape, auxiliary. And I rewrote it over it in big white letters. <laughs> And everybody would come in my apartment and they'd go, what is wrong with you? you what a wrote, grandpa thing to do. You wrote all over that stereo system with a whiteout pen. I'm like, yeah, doesn't it look great? <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> but that's what I do too. I write on batteries. Like I, I, One thing I do is, well, yeah, I'm going to show you guys a funny picture right now. I have three. <laughs> oh, gosh. I have three GoPro sessions. One, two, and three. And I write on them with a, with a paint marker so that I know which one is the one I'm using. So that later on when I go and I, you know, I open my kit up and I want to download, I can't remember which one I use. So I got to attach, you know, I, I put each chip in the computer until I find the one I use. But if I remember, okay, I was on camera one all day long. That's the one I remember to yeah. grab. And you can use those numbers. I, I drew an arrow on mine on the sides pointing up. Right. Because uh, it's square, so in the dark, or if you can't see the button, you can't tell which direction. So, yeah, I did a whiteout pen to do, but you could, you know, use the letter the same way. Yeah. Or the number the same way. That's, yeah, and I did write it in that orientation for that reason. Huh. Cool. All right. Um, we got a bunch of questions, so we'll save those for next time. Um, what have you guys been watching? So. Or listening to. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I don't watch a lot of woodworking videos anymore but I do have this one uh, not woodworking but it's I want to get into sewing we've talked about this before and I have discovered this channel by Arthur Porter and um, this guy is obviously an expert at sewing and it's really good and I've learned a ton I my my big question that I had before buying a sewing machine is I want to do leather what do I need to know before buying a machine and 
this guy has answered that question. Basically, most sewing machines can sew leather. But they're just not going to last very long because leather is really tough. And you, you, you want an industrial one, which I can't afford. So I'm going to get a higher-end consumer one. And then if it breaks, I'll just get another one. But I don't see myself sewing like every week, so I should be okay for a very long time. And uh, I don't know. His name is Arthur Porter. There will be a link in the show notes. Scour Craigslist for a good Juki or a good old singer, industrial. So sometimes okay. you get them for free because people like kid wants to learn how to do fashion stuff and then they get into you know some other job and it sits around the parents' house and they want to get rid of the thing and they just give it away for free. Hmm. So, so you want an industrial machine, which is you know becomes an albatross to someone that doesn't sew. They just want it out. So I see them all the time upstate. And and, right. and even if a sewing machine is very old, it could still be very 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 good. So. They're all worth taking a look at. My, the first sewing machine I learned on was a Singer that I got off Craigslist when Craigslist kind of first started. And it lasted. The only reason I don't have it still is because when I went to California to do a TV show with my brother, I left it there in his garage. And then I told him to give it to a friend that was there. But it was a great machine. Nice. That That's my story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push Tom's tool room today. Tom's tool room. And... Tom did a video with Greg of Greg's Garage, and Greg came up with this idea of like making a twisted Sharpie body at a twisted steel. Oh, yeah. And so Greg came to my house uh, when he was in town doing a YouTube thing with uh, uh, Retro Weld, Douglas from Retro Weld, and we drilled out the two of his bodies, the first two that he made. And he's friends with Tom from Tom's Tool Room, and then Tom said, let me, make, let, me, let me try a couple for you, and now he's made like 50 of them. And it's like his one product that, that Greg is now selling. I, I don't know if he's making any more, but in the video on Tom's tool room, he's working with Greg's garage making his twisted Sharpie pens, which is cool. So, nice. Yeah. So two guys working together making a product on YouTube. Right on. Um, for mine, we've talked about her before, but uh, Laura Kampf. I, oh, she, yeah, she's the when best. I look at her channel, I'm like, I'm like how does this woman not have like a ton more subscribers she's extremely talented and she's so much fun to watch she makes like really awesome stuff woodworking metalworking whatever else she wants to do and she's got a great eye so the videos i think are just super well shot and edited together um and i i did a brain pick with her and from that episode i learned just a lot more about who she is and she's she's really interesting and just really passionate about making stuff so if you've not seen Laura, uh, Laura's channel, you should definitely go see it. She made a turbo raft. She made a raft run by a, <laughs> yeah. uh, a weed eater last week. So cool. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I wish she would get a little more recognition than she's getting. Another video, this is a random video, and I didn't use this as my main one because I don't know if anybody will like it. There's this channel, it's a really big channel called Two Cellos. Have you ever seen Two yep. Cellos? It's these two guys that play cello. And they play all sorts of crazy music on cello. And yeah. I somebody sent me this video, and it's like two years old or something. ACDC um, song? Yeah, Thunderstruck. The it's ACDC amazing. Song. It's, it's so unbelievable. Good. <laughs> it I want to watch it. I want to go watch it right now. Actually, <laughs> it is so good. It's really good. And the and the video is funny too because they they set it like it's seventeen hundred concert yeah. hall in you know in England or whatever. It's a funny yeah, video. It's it's awesome. And they've got a bunch of like really fantastic music of all different types, but they just do it all with a cello and really interesting recording and editing and stuff. So I'll put that in the notes as well. 
Uh, I think that's it. You guys got anything else this week? That's it. Um, that's it. I think our Patreon supporters, as always, uh, especially Build, Make, Modify, John Cornwell, Luis Gonzalez. Um, and if you guys want to help out the show, you can go to patreon.com slash making it and support us there. Any amount would be awesome. Uh, we also have t-shirts for sale that you can find at makingitpodcast.com. And if you have questions for the show, you know, stuff you want us to talk about, we always are happy to take that as well. You can tweet them to us um, at making a podcast. Right on. I wanted to, uh, I'm going to give my I love you to the men and women in law enforcement mm. for the week they had this week. We uh, love and support you guys. Yeah. I second that. I can get behind that. Right on. Cool. Thank right you. on. Everybody uh, have a good week. Be safe. See you next time. Bye, guys.